0: What's the link between a gallon of water and Jane Austen? The answer to that very British question at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Three very smart cookies are joining me today, and hoping not to crumble under the weight of some lateral thinking questions. Joining me today are, from the Follow Friday podcast, Eric Johnson. Hey. Musician, YouTuber, singer-songwriter, Mary Spender. Hello. And from just far too many YouTube channels and podcast account, Brady Haran. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for joining me. This is a game where there are no points. There are no prizes but reputation and bragging rights, but there are some rather difficult lateral thinking questions and we start with this. What unusual event happens just before England play Liechtenstein at a soccer match? I'll give you that again. What unusual event happens just before England play Liechtenstein at a soccer match? I I think I might know this. Oh, I think Ooh. I might know. Okay, so we know what happens here. Yep, I step back. I you step, step back. back. <laughs> if, you, if you want to get that immediately, if you have paper and pen, write it down. We'll take your word for it. But, no, no I'll write it down. You I'll write, write down, that one but, down.
1: But if I'm wrong, I miss out on all the fun of the game. But, oh yeah. I and think if I if, need you, to step if back.
0: you're wrong, we get to roundly mock you. Like this is a gamble oh. you're taking. Look, we <laughs> I we am. absolutely.
1: Sounds like a win-win. We, well, me. the other side of the gamble is I just say it and if I'm yeah. right, I ruin oh, no. it so. At
0: this at this point, <laughs> at this point Brady, you are committed and it's the only all way right. if you can look It's the only way on the show that you can look Vaguely foolish. Good luck to you, Eric and Mary. This oh, one's for no, you. Sure. What unusually what Mary... happens just before England play Liechtenstein at a soccer match?
2: Mary, I have some very bad news for you, which is I know nothing about soccer, so you are so screwed.
3: <laughs> well, I, I know nothing about soccer either. So, um, can I can I ask what year
0: it was? This would happen whenever England Played Liechtenstein. I mean, in the in the last century since professional football became a thing. Okay.
2: And so it's... So
3: it would happen whenever they played.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like a very small country, right? Like it, 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 so.
0: If I remember right, Snoop, Snoop Dogg once tried to rent the entirety of Liechtenstein for a music video <laughs> shoot, which is... Of course
3: he did. <laughs> that sounds right. Of course. Well, it's on my list of to-do things, you know, to do for the next music video. Rent, rent um, a country. Rent a country.
0: Yep. Rent yeah. a country. I, I, I don't um, think he actually managed to. I think, he, I think he asked if he could.
3: Well, I will... Managed to. That is my new objective. Um, uh, was there something unfortunately embarrassing with the audience or it would always happen so they would come to see something between the spectators?
0: I mean, if, kind you, of- if you don't have faith in the behaviour of English fans, yeah, this would, this would probably end up being, being quite awkward. Uh, it's, it's happened twice in 2004 as part of the qualifying stages for Euro 2004.
2: I don't know the colours of Liechtenstein's flag, but I'm wondering if it has something to do with like maybe trading jerseys. Like maybe if they have the same team colours and then everyone takes off their shirts and trades them or something, something like that. Something to do with like the colour of what the fans are wearing, because it's
0: a fan activity. Is it
3: something that I I will be ashamed of my of my? Country?
0: I don't think you need particular soccer knowledge for this one. You need to know vaguely about what would what happens at sporting events, but it's not a specifically soccer thing. This
3: so okay. Drinking, clothing, singing
0: songs. I, I do like yeah. the idea of, of swapping jerseys and colours, but in that case, they they would be wearing a different kit. There is there is a rule that you, you don't have clashing kit. You have an away kit. Did it
3: ha- did it happen between the football teams, the two teams, or did it happen between the two uh, sets the of fans?
0: fans. Um. It was a part of the event, is the best way to describe that.
3: And it happened huh. twice in 2004.
0: Just before they played, each time.
3: So some kind of entertainment before they went on the pitch?
0: I mean, Brady's, start, Brady's starting to get a slightly smug expression on his face, so I think he has <laughs> nailed it. Um, yeah, it Mary's a chance of getting this one, I think. This is, this is uh, almost your wheelhouse, Mary. Yeah, it's not, I I wouldn't quite classify it as entertainment, but certainly there's... there's... Something
3: to do with the National Anthem?
0: Ah, yes. What might that be?
2: Do their National Anthems have the same melody, maybe? So they're they're playing the same tune twice because it's an instrumental version?
0: You are (laughs) absolutely right. Brady, let's see what's on your card.
1: I (laughs) wrote. Same anthems.
0: You are absolutely right. <laughs> I love the anthems. teamwork between the two of you there as well. Uh, yes, they both use the same tune. Um, England, England has God Save the Queen. Lichtenstein has Oben am Jungen Rhein, which is High on the Young Rhine. Um, it's by Snoop Dogg. Wow. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Brady. I, was, I read that off my notes and my brain just couldn't quite complete the joke there. That's... Um, yeah, you also have uh, Norway's Royal Anthem, the same tune, and the American patriotic song My Country Tis of Thee. They are all the same tune. There's a hundred composers who've ripped that off.
2: We learned My Country Tis of Thee in elementary school, and at some point someone told me that it was specifically uh, kind of a little bit of a middle finger back of the UK after the whole independence affair. Uh, that basically the, the, the words were rewritten as a way of, uh, of claiming what was very a very good melody and just making sure no one here knew God Save the Queen. <laughs>
3: Well, a uh, virtual high five, Eric. Da, 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 da. Yay, teamwork!
0: <coughs> I mean, does that? I mean, these days they would presumably get sued over it. I assume that like musicians, right? Musicians' copyright is now you're not going to be reusing anyone's melodies.
3: Uh, it depends how old it is. I think copyright laws. I think it's after seventy years. If it's older than seventy years, you can. I think that. I mean, I know it. it's a
0: complicated number. There, I, oh, I know you can use the old stuff, but I'm guessing at this point. No composer's going to just take someone's melody and change the lyrics to it.
3: Uh, I think, I, I think they literally could, depending on how old the melody is. In the first I mean, phase. Lichtenstein did, but yeah. If, if you if you <laughs> if you took an Ed Sheeran song and then tried to, I think he'd come after you because he's, <laughs> yeah. people have gone after him. But I don't think you're going to use an Ed Sheeran song. That
0: was just the really the really threatening idea of Ed Sheeran just coming after me. Just just oh. go. <laughs>
2: And now please rise for the National Anthem, for which, which is uh, The Shape of You.
1: But I mean, if I <laughs> made an Ed Sheeran song their National Anthem, and yeah. that's like the whole country, where's he going to sue them? Like, what <laughs> jurisdiction? Like, the country's not going to, you know, they're like, you can't sue us in our country. Like, Didn't that
0: just t- happen with the Australian Aboriginal flag? Really? The flag of the Aboriginal Australian flag is copyrighted, or at least it was, um, because it's a modern design. And... In a lot of countries, I think like the US, simple geometric design, you can't you can't really copyright it. Uh, Australian law, you absolutely can. And people slapping on merchandise, we had not cease and desist. Um, mm. And I wow. think this year, the Australian government has actually just bought the copyright to it, which is still like kind of complicated because that is not the right people to own it, according to a lot of folks. This is a complicated issue that I don't understand and will just step in a minefield on. But... Yeah, I I don't think you can just steal a pop song as your national anthem and claim, no, it's our anthem now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Only one way to find out.
0: I think, although I do like the idea, because I like the idea of Ed Sheeran as a copyright claimant going up against a nuclear power. I'd back Ed Sheeran.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh,
0: But yes, the answer is uh, the same national anthem theme is played twice, once for England, once for Liechtenstein. And I just have the horrible feeling that the England fans sing along to both. (laughs) We now go to a question from one of our guests. uh, Mary, kick us off this time. What question have you got for us? In
3: 1861, a Frenchman won something and became a soldier. In 1891, he won it again and became a painter. What did this famous person win twice?
2: And he became those things as a result of winning whatever the thing is. That's a terrible
1: huh. lottery. A <laughs>
3: yeah, soldier. Um,
0: is there, well, is there cause and effect there? <laughs>
3: uh, well, it's a, it's a particular concept that he won. Okay. So I don't think it led to him. Um, All right.
0: Well, that's, that's well, fine. Actually, you, you don't need to give no, us too many, too many hints. We've we, we got to stumble around in the dark for a while first.
3: Well, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you did just sort of kind of hit it on, on the head with one word.
0: As a lottery? You're kidding.
3: Uh, you you absolutely oh, nailed it. I no. did. You just won the lottery,
1: Tom. You just won the lottery.
0: You <laughs> I was making a terrible lottery. joke. That can't possibly. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. no. We okay. So that's that's a big hint. We've got to still figure something out here. Why would winning the lottery
1: make you, or a
0: lottery make you, become a soldier
1: and then a painter? Is it like just lo- lo- maybe in those days, like you could buy a commission if you got lots of money? So he bought a commission into like the military. And then and then when he oh, won a lot yeah. more money, he was like, oh, I don't need a job anymore. Now I can just right. do what I want and I want to paint.
0: That's true because that you, 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 could, you could join the military as, a uh, don't know what the French ranks would be, but very low down, or you could pay for a commission position. That was right, wasn't it? You could do it in the
1: U- Britain. I don't know if you could do it in France. I'm, that's my guess. But Yeah.
0: I mean, the other thing is that it could be a draft. It could be like the US had a... But well, in in for the Viet, the U.S. Ah. for the Vietnam War had the draft lottery and someone it was by birthday I think or something like so that. So maybe he, they were yep. two
1: different lotteries. Maybe the second lottery he won got him out of the military, so he got drafted yeah. in 1861, and then he won a whole stack of money in 1891. So he's like, oh, I can get out of the military now. and Paint well.
2: Flowers. I also wonder that the idea that he became a painter after winning the second lottery makes me think that maybe it was some sort of government arts program where it was like, everyone who wants to get an education in the arts, you enter into this lottery and if you win, we will send you to this great art school that you couldn't get into on your own merits, maybe.
0: I mean, that sounds like a lovely program. I right. somehow doubt it, <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know, it's
2: France, you know, they, they actually have culture there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I don't know whether to be insulted by that. Um, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, the question was, who was he, wasn't it? Who was he? <laughs> oh, <okay>. oh, right. <laughs> I thought you were trying to... Oh, OK.
3: What did this famous person win twice? So who was the famous person and what did they win
1: twice? Mary, did he win the same thing or did he win two different things?
3: It's the concept that he won.
0: So it is a, a lottery or a drawing or something like that.
3: Yeah, but they're not necessarily the same...
0: I mean, okay. famous French people in the late 19th century is not one of my specialist subjects. No, um, no, got same. no
3: there, Well, there's a hint, um, you know, he won it again and became a painter. That helps decide. Okay. A French painter.
0: Oh, God. It's yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem. You've
3: oh, got no, three people with no
0: art <laughs> knowledge here.
2: Yeah. What about um, the, uh, the, the, the one who's a little person? Uh, wasn't a guy, was it? No, um... um I uh, uh, can't remember his name. I
1: just don't know the years for all the famous
0: painters. I don't. Um, um, Monet? No.
3: Oh well, yes. Uh,
1: that well, was yes, my. It was
3: Monet. <laughs> How do I keep stumbling <laughs> this? I just literally. <laughs> you are laterally thinking.
0: Yeah. Ma- I didn't well even done. know M- Monet was a soldier. Yeah.
3: Well, okay. So the answer: Claude Monet won a lottery twice. Won a lottery twice, not the lottery. Um. In 1861, Claude Monet drew an unlucky number in the lottery system used to determine who would be chosen for seven years of military service in Algeria. He only served for one year since he contracted typhoid in 1862 and his art brought him out of the army after that. But in 1891, so 30 years later, he won 100,000 francs in the French National Lottery. This allowed him to quit his job as a messenger and become a painter full time. Nice. That's a lovely question.
1: The lottery. Not always evil. <laughs> would, you just, would you use the word win for being drafted
0: in any way? <laughs> I'm not sure you would. Next question is from me. Good luck. Why did many people, including Franz Kafka, queue up to look at a blank wall? I'll give you that again. Why did many people, including Franz Kafka, queue up to look at a blank wall?
3: Some kind of trendy art piece? Or yeah, some sort of modern
0: art.
1: Yeah, that seems feels too
0: obvious.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, that's the aim of my game, be very obvious.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It it just worked
0: for me. (laughs) I mean,
2: we we don't know what colour the wall was. It's a blank wall, but we don't know if it's necessarily a white wall. It could be some specific colour. Maybe it could be like a newly invented pigment.
3: The darkest black. um, Yeah,
2: something like that. Anish Kapoor. Or it could be, I guess. I guess like a, like a stone wall could still be blank if it's not painted or adorned otherwise. So it could be something interesting about the type of material used to to build the wall.
1: I feel like there's a double meaning to the blank wall. I feel like there's more to this blank wall than we're than we're, is, we're yeah taking it too literally. The blank wall.
3: Oh, is the blank wall then screened upon by some a film? No, it, it is
0: very literally a blank wall. Right. Um. There's. 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 How do I phrase this? I'll, you, I'll I'll just leave you with that. No, it is it is very literally a blank wall. Is it is it a wall of some import? Um that's an uh, I can't answer that without giving away more. Okay. Do you think it's the Berlin Wall? Is that a blank wall? I'm not sure Franz Kafka lines up with the dates for the Berlin Wall.
1: Oh no, yeah. Franz Kafka, yeah.
0: Franz Kafka himself is is not relevant to the question. That's just trying to give you a, a oh. vague kind of area and and time.
3: Lined up just there. Oh, oh, wait. Right, Wall of China? Mine's quite sinister. My answer's <laughs> quite sinister. Is it a sinister yeah. answer? Yeah, I mean,
0: Franz Kafka is quite sinister, but...
3: Yes. Did people
0: line oh, up? Oh, no. I know where no. you're going with that. Okay, and thank no. Uh No. But yeah, that, something something bad had happened. Not, not that bad, but something bad had happened. It's not
3: like me being a child and being told to stand up against a wall because I'd been naughty. <laughs> no, there, my there, face, face there is, I was on timeout or something.
2: <laughs> Franz Kafka stole his mother's cookies, and he was facing the blank wall. That is a
0: very, <laughs> very modern art experience. That you just line up and you just stare at that <laughs> wall for five minutes. <laughs> Honestly, you could probably charge admission to that in shortage.
3: I know. I think I will. Can't um, call it, Think about did, what you've done. Did the wall
0: stay blank? Um, for a little while, yes. For, for about a year. This was 1911, 1912. Uh, for, for over a year, that wall stayed blank. It didn't used to be, and, and it wasn't afterwards, but for, for more than a year it was blank. Huh.
3: How long did people stand in front of it?
0: Uh, I mean, not particularly long. I mean, there were a lot of people standing in front of it, but they didn't, they didn't need to be there for too long. So the, was the wall blocking admission to something? No, you, you're in the right area with art, by the way.
3: Was it the Mona Lisa being
0: missing or something? Yes. Ooh. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it <laughs> oh
3: my don't God. I was persona. just
0: literally... <laughs> don't know where that came from all of a sudden. Yes. Wow.
2: Right.
1: I'm How- so jealous because I just spent all... I saw the Mona Lisa last week and I would have spent three or four hours reading about the theft of the Mona Lisa. And I never once <laughs> came across Franz Kafka.
3: So they went... Oh, I don't even know the story. I feel like I do know the story, but I don't know
0: the story.
1: Is it the theft of the Mona,
3: the Lisa? Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa was stolen. Oh, oh, was it stolen or was it just preserved in the war?
0: No, it was stolen. August was stolen. 21st, 1911.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was gone for ages until they got it back.
3: And so people still went to visit the blank wall?
0: Well, it was, it was the Louvre. The, this is where the Mona Lisa was stolen. That's your new tourist <laughs> <Yeah>. attraction. <laughs> the Mona the Mo- Lisa
1: wasn't famous. At that point. It was actually quite an obscure painting. Really? And, well, not obscure, but it was a, it was not a famous painting. And it was the theft of the Mona Lisa and its disappearance for like a year that generated all the buzz around it. And it became like, now it's famous because partly because
3: it got stolen. I am so proud oh. of myself. <laughs> I'm, I, am, I am now officially smug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all had our moments. <laughs> it was a guy who thought it should
1: be repatriated to Italy, wasn't it? Because uh, da Vinci painted it.
0: Yeah, it was uh, Vincenzo Perugia was his name. I don't know why I bothered rolling that R. It's Italian. That was the, <laughs> that was the wrong accent to do it in anyway. Uh, but yes, he, he revealed he had the painting uh, just over two years later. Um, but by that point, the Louvre had given up and hung a different portrait in its place. Oh. So yes, for, for roughly a year, there was a blank wall. This is where the Mona Lisa used to be. And people queued up for it 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 wow. was actually
1: though a um it it wasn't like it is now where it has its own wall it was actually like a series of paintings it was like painting 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 blank space painting 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 so it was it was such an unimportant painting it just sat amongst the others but yeah ah oh, well done mary but i'm mad at myself about that cuz i was just reading about it
3: don't you think with um with the influence we could have, uh, what boring painting shall we now make the new Mona <laughs> Lisa? Where it's like, hang on a minute, do you know this anyone? Is kind of like a. <laughs> do you know
0: anyone who's a painter? Because you could make them very rich.
3: I actually, I actually do know a painter.
0: Steal one of their paintings
1: and make a new story <laughs> Steal, about it. That's yeah. Hang on, yeah. <laughs> Last time we were on the show. Didn't we plot to form a gang and commit theft? And now we're doing it again.
3: <laughs>
0: heist it's just
3: We are just a heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I want to ruin my reputation online.
1: Tell you, can i say one last? can I say one last thing about the Mona Lisa? Because I'm full of Mona Lisa information at the moment. Yeah. If you want to see something interesting, go and Google the back of the Mona Lisa. It's really interesting seeing the back of famous paintings. And there are lots of pictures online of what the Mona Lisa looks like on the other side. It's really interesting on the, like on the, on the, you know, the wooden back. More interesting than you'd think.
3: Have you ever watched those documentaries where they do literally like X-ray paintings and show yeah. what was
0: underneath? Oh my yeah. God, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Wow.
1: They've, they've done that to the Mona Lisa so many times. It must be <laughs> radioactive by now.
0: Time for another question from one of our guests. Eric, it's on you this time. What do you have for us?
2: All right. I have a question about Turkey. In the district of Eyüp, E-Y-U with a little umlaut P, I don't know how to pronounce that, in Istanbul, Turkey, there is an old grand cemetery. ...that houses the graves of rulers, religious leaders, military commanders, intellectuals, and artists. On a hill just beside here lies a separate graveyard with blank headstones. What type of people were buried there? So one more time, I'll read that again. In the district of Eyüp in Istanbul, Turkey, there's an old grand cemetery that houses the graves of rulers, religious leaders, military commanders, intellectuals, and artists... On a hill just beside here lies a separate graveyard with blank headstones. What type of people were buried there?
0: I think I might know this one. I might have to Ooh, accuse myself gotta here. i write it down. But I might be setting myself up for a fall. I'm not sure. Well,
2: Brady and Mary, I think head- it's on you.
3: Well, I would just think That's- of the stereotypical unmarked tombstones if they don't know the names of the... The dead. Yeah,
1: like, so, like like you know, unknown soldiers sort of thing. Uh, I can tell you that the headstones
2: were deliberately left blank when they were installed.
0: Wait, did Brady just not get it with soldiers there? Uh, No, he did not. Well, I <laughs> Tom, get to back. be the foolish one. <laughs> back. Tom, I, was yes. like, I, I thought I knew this story and I thought it was the... Uh, the graveyard that's technically in another country or something like that and I got it completely wrong. So I am I am the foolish one today. Sorry, <laughs> no. that's that's on me. That You're back in the foolish. game, Tom. You You're can help the us game. again. I am but yeah, with but, but with egg on my face. That's so, that's on me.
3: <laughs> intentionally blank so were they were they naughty? Had they been did they
1: Had they not paid for something? Ooh Uh no
3: it's not a result of
1: a debt Because when you go to the Royal Society, they have the people who've been elected fellows of this esteemed science institution in this this book. And sometimes you go through all the old names like Isaac Newton and Christopher Wren and that, and occasionally you'll see a name that literally has just been crossed out. They've all signed the book. They've all put their autograph in the book and someone's crossed out. And you're like, why'd that person get crossed out? Nine times out of ten, it's because they didn't pay their dues.
3: I've got a very cynical answer. Go ahead. If... If everyone was, you know, an artist or a um, what was the list of people in the in the marked or the creatives? yeah the, the other
2: the other cemetery has rulers, religious leaders, military commanders, intellectuals, and artists.
3: So I would assume they're all men. Was it their wives in the unmarked or no? Well, You're getting a little bit colder. Okay, it's too cold. Okay, good. I'm glad. A little bit colder. <laughs> that's that's a, a cynical answer.
1: Is there some kind of religion or people with some kind of belief that don't like their name to be memorialised? No. So I would say this is more
2: political than it is religious. Um, and I'll tell you, it has something to do with uh, the people who were buried in the second cemetery. Um, they performed a job during the Ottoman era. They all done a particular job, I should say.
3: I've got... Ooh, had they this, had this they murdered the other people? Was, was not having
1: their name... Uh, For protective reasons, or was it a sign of disrespect to them?
2: Very good thought. (laughs) He's not (laughs) (laughs) answering that one. It's just a very (laughs) good thought.
1: Who would need
0: to be protected?
1: Yeah, so they could be like you know spies, or like you know they um, don't need to be
0: protected, but their families need to be protected.
1: Because if your if Uncle Bill was a was a spy or a you know in the secret some secret organisation, very warm. You're getting much warmer. Like the stars at the, like the stars they have at the, the Pentagon for CIA CIA agents who die in service and they can 't name them and they 've just got this that wall of stars the, the last clue I
2: have for you here is you 're very close here. Some families would have borne a specific grudge
0: towards these people, any guesses I mean I feel like i 'm walking on a minefield here because I do not know enough about the history and politics of that area uh,
3: so did they do the?
0: killing i don't know why i just keep going on about this They're like executioners is is that is there a mur- is there death involved here eric
2: I, I i think mary started to get it and then brady said said the magic word which is they were executioners executioners yeah. oh. uh people could only be buried at the executioner cemetery at night their headstones were left blank to reduce the chance of retaliation by the families of any of the people they had killed a few of the executioner's graves still exist to this day
0: that is the bleakest question we've had in a while.
3: Oh, so it was dark. It was dark. I went dark.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> you you had exactly the right instinct there, Mary. I, again, I I wrote the wrong thing down, so I I get the shame on me for this question, but uh yeah, con- congratulations. I I think that is that is a bleak question. Ooh.
3: Well done.
2: Uh, So, uh, to wrap up, in the district of Ayup in Istanbul, Turkey, there's two cemeteries. One has all the rulers and religious leaders and so on, but next to it, there's a separate graveyard with blank headstones, which is full of executioners. They were buried at night and they were left blank to reduce the risk of revenge.
0: One question remaining from a guest and one big question left from me. If you're all ready, Suzanne Asbury-Oliver can only write about seven letters at a time in the ten minutes available. She must do so in mirror writing, and she finds S and W the hardest. What is her job? I'll give you that one more time. Suzanne Asbury Oliver can only write about seven letters at a time in the ten minutes available. She must do so in mirror writing and finds S and W the hardest. What is her job?
2: I have a guess that I'm going to write down. Oh, not I, again, I'm not, Eric. Are you? I'm not very confident in this one. If that helps, I'm not so. Oh, confident Oh no, then, then I'm talk, gonna...
0: talk it through. Talk it through. Then Yo. play it. Then play it through.
2: Yeah. Okay. My, my thought is if you work in an office with like labels of different offices in the building and you have someone who's writing the name of the person and their occupation on the inside of the door, wouldn't that have to be written backwards so that from the hallway you can see what their name is and when, what they
0: do? But why only seven letters at a time in the 10 oh, minutes good. she has available?
3: And it's not like a, a, it's so it's time sensitive, so it's not like a game show or something that's time sensitive that you'd have to write. (gasps) Ooh, is it something to do with winning a competition? The the names they have to engrave?
1: Engraving. I was thinking about engraving on trophies. Yeah. But I couldn't see the S. I can't see why you'd have to do that in mirror. And I can't see where the S and the W. you
0: have to do something uh, backwards. I mean, I imagine there is a competitive like so, humans will will create competitions out of anything. So there probably is a competitive branch of this. Uh, but no, this is this is her job. She's not competing here. It is something she is hired to do.
2: Maybe it's like trophy engraving. Like there's only a limited amount of space on one of those little uh, little labels at the bottom of a trophy saying who won something.
0: I mean, I I did see when when England won the Women's Euros that just for a moment, they cut to the shot of the trophy being engraved live um, and put that on the jumbotron for the fans who went even louder than they currently were. Um, It is, but seven letters at a time, you're going to have trouble if Switzerland win there.
3: (laughs) Ooh, is it something to do with something setting if she's only got 10 minutes and it's going to set in the time, but she can only get mm. seven letters. It's not like the Hollywood Walk of Fame or something. You know, not that, but like something like that. along those lines where it's urgent.
1: Yeah, what, what, what's creating the time limit? Yeah, Yeah. something
3: yeah. setting in concrete or something.
0: The medium... You're, you're close there. The medium is creating the time limit for the writing. Hmm.
3: What material oh. sets in ten minutes?
0: I have another guess.
2: What about... What if they're a skywriter and they're drawing letters in the sky and those only last for a few minutes and then they get blown away by the wind?
0: You are absolutely right, Eric. Spot on. (laughs) Suzanne Asbury-Oliver is the only active female professional skywriter. She's been employed to write Pepsi in the sky around America for 25 years, among many other commissions. Uh, She has to write them back to front so they look correct to the people on the ground.
3: Oh, and W would be... Terrifying. W and S yeah. are
0: really difficult to write. The slow, <laughs> oh slow running speed isn't her own body, it's that she is pulling high G aerobatic manoeuvres in order to get the S and the W there.
3: How fascinating. Yeah. You
0: are absolutely right. And yeah, she's got about 10 to 15 minutes, so if she's not done with seven letters or so by then, the first one's blown away.
3: Wow, and then it could spell something very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was once at Disney World and I looked up in the sky and there was a skywriter up there and it looked, when I first looked up, it said, Love Go. And I thought, oh, wow, it's a board game enthusiast. Uh, But it was just someone in Florida who hired a plane to write Love God, which is, I think, much, much less interesting.
0: (laughs) There are also uh, skywriting teams now who fly in formation, kind of seven planes next to each other, and then kind of drop pixels of smoke behind them to spell out letters.
3: Oh which my Lord.
0: almost feels like cheating and is presumably way more expensive than hiring one person, but they can just kind of put a whole message across the sky just by flying past. No.
3: When are you wow. hiring someone to do that or have you already hired someone to do that? I feel like that's something you
0: would have done already. <laughs> I mean, that, you're not wrong. And that, Oh, I need to go. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> that is an idea for a video. You're
3: welcome. You can have that one for free. You
1: don't need to be in one of the planes, though.
3: Yeah, can I come? Can I come be part of it?
1: <laughs> Tom, if you could
0: skywrite anything over London tomorrow, what would you write? <laughs> I, I, wow, I feel like I should have an answer for that, and I really don't. Um, my, the, like the <laughs> the devil on my shoulder is something like run, just as a as oh a general God. threat to cause chaos. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's the opposite You'd of writing arrested. love, God in the sky. That's <laughs> Skywriting is currently legal in the UK. There is a consultation going at the moment. Uh, My producer just sent me uh, me a note. They are wondering if it it could be legal in the UK soon. But right now, uh, the answer to what do I want to write over London is nothing, because I'd be arrested. (laughs) Um, The last big question of the day then comes from Brady. What do you have?
1: All right. What did Ronald Reagan do in 1939 that caused his own life to be saved in 1981? Let me say that again, just so the gravity hits home. What did Ronald Reagan do in 1939 that caused his own life to be saved in 1981?
0: So in 81, was he the president then? I can't remember my presidential dates. He was. Okay.
1: And I believe
2: 81 is when there was an assassination attempt on his life. A guy guy tried to shoot, or a guy did shoot him, and he had to be rushed to emergency surgery. So, So he did something
3: so did something happen so it was 39 that something happened to him he did something he did something was it something internal that then blocked something that's probably a bit weird
2: yeah like my first thought is like is he did he start wearing something in 39 that then he was wearing when he got shot it blocked a
0: bullet. The the movie version would be he joined the military, got some dog tags, and they magically deflected the bullet. But yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, 19, 1939 in America, he wouldn't have been going to war then.
2: No.
3: Did he give up give up smoking or something that then saved his life later?
0: Or took I'm up interested. smoking?
3: <laughs> or took up smoking that saved his life? The cigarette life. <laughs> case
0: deflected the bullet. Wait, wait, sorry, I'm getting stuck on deflected the bullet here, which which didn't happen. Yeah. He got shot. Um, yeah.
2: I know the, the famous story from when he went into surgery is he was lucid enough to say to the the, the surgeons who were about to operate on him, "I hope you all are Republicans." Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the smoking thing is interesting. Like maybe, like if he stopped smoking,
3: Ooh. maybe I don't
2: know where he got shot. Maybe it hit. Maybe the bullet hit one of his lungs. But you only need one, so maybe that helped him survive.
3: Did he agree to be an organ donor in 1939, and then? Uh, not an organ donor, but recipient of org- organs? Or did I don't he think you have to any... elect
0: to be an organ recipient. In 39, that wouldn't have been a thing. I, I was thinking, like, did he have a kidney removed and then there was a hole where... Yeah. Like, but I don't think surgery in 39 was that good.
1: Uh, you, guys are, you guys are doing great work, and I love your work, but... But we're wrong. <laughs> I think you're going down the wrong road. All right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's a third party involved here. Oh. There's another person is involved.
0: Was Reagan in the military?
1: Maybe you need to think. Maybe you need to think about what Ronald Reagan was doing in nineteen thirty-nine, and he it wasn't in the military.
2: Yeah, if he, maybe was, he was already an actor. Maybe he started acting in the thirties, but I don't know how that would have saved his life in eighty-one necessarily.
0: Did his did his movies inspire someone to become a doctor, and that doctor saved his life, or something like that? Oh, oh close. <laughs> But he, but he close. was acting. He was he, like I don't, I. don't know how old Reagan was. So he was acting. He was acting in thirty nine. That feels. I mean, Tom, you were
1: you were impossibly close, Tom.
0: I no. I'm just. <laughs> I'm trying to work out the dates, and it just occurred to me. Yes, of course, Reagan was in Hollywood in thirty nine. But that just seems almost too long ago for that. <laughs> yeah. But he.
3: So he inspired someone that then came to his rescue in later on in his life.
0: The Secret
1: Service agent. So maybe he didn't inspire a doctor. Oh, duh. I think Tom's. I think Tom's mumbled
0: something key. The Secret Service the, agent who, I mean, clearly didn't jump in front of a bullet.
1: Shooter. He indeed. It, you are correct, Tom. He inspired the Secret Service agent who saved his life. So, in um, do you want to guess how he inspired him?
3: Was it through a movie? He inspi- He played a Secret Service agent.
1: It was through the movie. It was through a movie. It, is this the football movie
2: with the Gipper where, where it wasn't Reagan the, is like, It wasn't a football oh. movie.
3: It was, okay. it was
1: it was a much more direct line. He starred in a movie called Code of the Secret Service. Ah. Oh, wow. That, that apparently was a pretty terrible movie, but it, it inspired a chap named Jerry Parr to join the Secret Service, and Jerry Parr was the agent that played the crucial role in saving Ronald Reagan's life. Huh. So assassinations and attempted assassinations of US presidents is actually a bit of a specialist subject of mine. <laughs> so, I, I Most I,
0: dangerous I, job in the world, isn't it? By by, like percentage.
1: I found this question completely fascinating. Obviously, Parr was the agent who pushed Reagan into the limousine on March 30, 1981, when John Hinckley fired the shots at the president. And Parr's quick thinking is, is credited with saving his life. In fact, he, and he probably did save his life, but in fact it was it was when he got pushed into the limo that he got hit by the bullet because the bullet that hit Reagan deflected off the car into the, into the limousine and hit him. But if he hadn't been pushed by Parr, he probably would have been hit much more directly. But the other thing that's interesting is then they didn't actually think Reagan had been shot and they were driving him back to the White House and then he started bringing up some frothy blood and it was Parr again who said guys, we can't take him to the White House, we need to take him to a hospital, and that's even more credited with saving Reagan's life. So Parr kind of saved his life twice <laughs> by pushing him out the way and by um, making the call to go to the hospital. And another thing that I just found out today that I found bizarrely interesting was famously Hinkley was trying to assassinate Reagan because he wanted to get the attention of Jodie Foster, the actress, who he was infatuated with, and he thought doing something that grand would you know, get her attention, which is obviously pretty misguided. But I was reading about what Pa did later in life after he was a Secret Service agent and he became a, like a, a Christian pastor, but he also uh, was an advisor on two Hollywood films, uh, Line of Fire, which is about Secret Service agents, and bizarrely, Contact, which stars <laughs> Jodie Foster. <laughs> so he's the one that got to meet Jodie Foster. Oh,
3: my God. Poor Jodie Foster. <laughs>
2: And and you know what John Hinckley is up to now? I assume. I mean, still in jail. I assume. Hey, did
3: he get out recently? He got out,
2: didn't he? he? He's out. He's a he's a musician with a YouTube channel, so he has a lot in common with half of this panel or three quarters <laughs> of this panel.
3: Are you are you serious?
2: Yeah, I'm serious. He, he's 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 now a musician. He does like I think country music.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Last question of the day, then. Uh, this is the one I asked to the audience just at the start. The the quick question: What's the link between a gallon of water and Jane Austen? And this is a very British question. And honestly, I'm I'm slightly angry about this question. So I'm just going to go around the panel and see if we can work this out very quickly. What's the link between a gallon of water and Jane Austen? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that she was the
1: first person to use it in writing to, to write about. A gallon, A gallon of
0: water, obviously not. So, obviously not. Um,
3: how <laughs> From the dare look you? Of disdain on Thomas. face. Yeah, sorry. It was
0: more that I couldn't think of anything to reply to that. Sorry, Ray. Do you want to give me that again? I'll be nicer.
1: Um. <laughs> no, no. I want your natural reaction.
3: <laughs> so she d- did. She well, you're saying she was the first person to write it. As was it? Was it an actual measurement at that point?
0: I mean, this is from long after she died. Uh, You can also link this with Charles Dickens and Florence Nightingale. Uh, Eric, like, good luck. This is is an aggressively British question.
2: Thank you for not coming to me first. That's all I got (laughs) to say. No, I I am completely stumped by this. I have no idea.
3: Aggressively British. Oh, I like that. That's going to be my new band name. (laughs) Um, uh, Uh, You know what?
0: I'm just going to tell you the answer and see if you can work it out. (laughs) The answer is £10.
1: Okay. So they've all been on the £10 note?
0: Uh, A gallon of water hasn't been on the £10 note. Jane Austen has. So has Charles Dickens and Florence Nightingale.
1: Yeah.
2: What if one of you produced a £10 note now and dumped a gallon of water on it? Then I think we'd be covered. They would both be on the £10 note.
0: Well, how much does Uh. a gallon
1: of water weigh? Does that weigh £10?
0: Almost exactly £10. Uh. There we go, Brady. That's the link. I... I... Uh.
1: Oh, now I get a smile out of you. <laughs> yeah, I just, I got this
0: question. Like, this is this is going to make everyone angry. And apparently it's mostly just me. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, a gallon of water weighs 10 pounds. Jane Austen is on the 10 pound note. I'm sorry. Thank you very, very much <laughs> to our panel. Eric, tell us what's going on in your life right now. What are you up to?
2: Yeah, I'm the host of a podcast called Follow Friday. It's currently on hiatus, but you can find it at followfridaypodcast.com. And there is an episode where I interview Mr. Tom Scott from January 2022. And and other than that, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at heyheyesj.
0: Mary, what's going on with you?
3: As always, I'm making YouTube videos on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash maryspender, but I'm also starting to make live appearances again. So if you want to see me in real life, maryspender.com
0: forward slash tour. And Brady, plug your stuff. Oh, I'm making a
1: ridiculous number of videos and podcasts. If you go to com, there's links there and you'll see all the what's going on later stuff. Watch as many or as few as you like.
0: <laughs> that that's the most low-key sales pitch we've ever had in the outro. Is Thank it, you, Brady. Is it when
3: you start making so much content that you just end up cancelling yourself out because you're not you're just making <laughs> too get,
0: much and then
1: Yeah. Just just make sure you watch my stuff before you watch all that Hinkley rubbish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. That is our show for today. Well done to all of our players. Uh, if you want to know more about the show or you want to send in your own questions, it is lateralcast.com. You can find us at lateralcast basically everywhere. And you can watch video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Eric Johnson. Thanks for having me. Mary Spender. Thank you. And Brady Haran. It has been an absolute honour. <laughs> I've been Tom Scott. Brady's been sarcastic. And this has been lateral. Thank you very much.